0: Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms? Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox.
1: Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 36 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and I hope you got the plates of that truck that hit me.
2: Ooh, it hit hard, too, didn't it?
1: It sure did.
2: (laughs) And I'm Barb, and I think I may have just lost my eternal soul. Okay, not, not really. But at least it felt as if my heart was ripped out again this week. It was a good ending for the show, I thought, Steve. And it could have been either a season or a series finale, but ouch. That was a shock, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it most definitely was. And I kept coming up with all kinds of things, possibilities as the episode was going and tweeting them out. And I didn't get one of them right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I refuse to believe. Anyway, today we're going to be discussing not only that, but the entire 18th Sleepy Hollow episode of season three, the season finale episode entitled Ragnarok. Which was written by M. Raven Metzger and directed by Russell Fine. We got a lot Should've of talking about. Should
1: have known it was M. Raven that wrote this.
2: Ouch! Ouch! I'm removing the headless one's axe from my gut. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it felt like it went right through my back. Yeah. All right. How about a recap, Barb?
2: You got it, Steve. The episode opens with Abby Mills and Ichabod Crane in the antechamber discussing how to return Betsy Ross to her own timeline and about not discussing or disclosing that they are from the future. Crane performs an incantation over Pandora's box, fixes it, and it grabs Abby just as they realize that it requires the soul of a witness to truly restore its power. Betsy and Crane close the box, breaking the spell, but Abby collapses. Betsy tells Crane his heart belongs to Abby and returns to her own timeline. Jenny Mills, Abby, and Crane reunite in the archives, where Abby and Crane learn about Joe. Crane bows to get the Hidden One. Ezra Mills is there, and he gives them a book about Ragnarok, the Norse battle in which gods were killed. Abby and Jenny meet up with Danny and Sophie and tell them what is happening. Abby says she is glad Danny is working with them. The Hidden One is in the lair, keeping Pandora imprisoned in a mirror. He has decided to kill off the Earth a piece at a time, rather than immediately. The team attacks him with Greek fire while Pandora escapes and opens her box. The Hidden One is being sucked into the box, but he stops it. Pandora says the box needs the soul of a witness. Abby's. And only she can do it. Abby opens the box. Crane screams for her. She tells Crane to never give up hope, and she disappears into the box. Crane kneels over the box in shock. The Hidden One is still alive, but all his power has been transferred to Pandora in her box. As Pandora forces him to grovel for his life, Jenny shoots him for Joe. Pandora wants to be worshipped and says they used each other. Jenny stops Crane from attacking Pandora. Pandora says she's going to be a benevolent goddess and disappears. Jenny and Crane believe Abby is in the box and tell Ezra what has happened and prepare to fight Pandora. Abby sees August Corbin in the bar and sits and talks to him. He tells her about the phoenix, the bird that dies and rises from the ashes as a new bird. He says he is proud of her. They see Joe and August and Joe embrace. Pandora enters a church telling the congregation that she wants their love, adoration, and respect, then proceeds to terrify them. Crane and Jenny follow Pandora to a cemetery, and Crane calls the Headless horseman out of Pandora's box. Crane gives Headless his skull, and Headless fights Pandora but struggles against her power. Jenny tells Crane not to give up, and Crane gives the horseman his axe. Headless mortally wounds Pandora. Pandora tells Crane that he loves Abby, that Abby is not in the box, and that she is dead. Pandora dies, and the box begins to glow. Crane rushes the box to the Masonic chamber where it explodes. Crane is knocked unconscious and begins to have conversations with Abby. He is season one Crane with long hair and in jail. And Abby is in uniform telling him he has to go back and it is time to say goodbye. He sees her in the archives and Abby says she is free and that they are eternal souls. They are in a waiting room between life and death. She says the life of a witness is never over but that she has done what she is supposed to do. They are on the porch of her home. He tells her that her life has fallen into place. Abby says she is at peace and ready. He asks, what is it there in the world for him without her? Abby says again, her job is done. He told her he will miss her, and she says to honor their bond and be brave and strong. She says he's her guy, always. He kisses her hand rather than fist bump, and he bows. The image is gone. Jenny finds him in the rubble. Crane tells her that the box might have taken Abby, but she is, and forever will be, theirs. Jenny drops Crane off at the cemetery. Crane talks to Abby's headstone and tells her what he has been doing and how he is moving on. He tells her she is missed and never forgotten. Ezra Mills is there and tells Crane that there must always be two witnesses, and when one dies, their soul does not move on. Ezra said she is not alive but that the essence of her soul will find someone else in her extended bloodline. He says to find the new witness before they come, and gives Crane a letter from George Washington dated 1789. Crane is to be the leader of an organization to stand guard against all otherworldly threats. As Ezra tells Crane this, vans arrive at the cemetery. FBI Director Jack Walters asks Crane to come to Washington, D.C. with him and answer a few questions. As Crane steps into the van, he vows to find the new witness. So, Steve, before we get into our very intense discussion of this episode. Yeah. (laughs) News. Let's, Let's have that news. All right.
1: We do have rating news for episode 15 in Communicado. The live plus sevens are in. It tied for 20th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain increasing 63%, going from a 0.8 to a 1.3. And it tied for 16th in viewers gained, increasing by 51%, going from 2.8 to 4.2 million viewers. Now for this week's episode, Ragnarok, the preliminary numbers, we did have a nice size bump going up to 2.91 million viewers. We almost hit that three with a 0.7 rating among adults 18 to 49, and I'm a little surprised that's not a 0.8, and maybe the final ratings will show that. Now, we do have a couple of other news items. It is confirmed that Nicole Bahari is leaving Sleepy Hollow. Several articles came out immediately after the show, and uh, per Variety's article, The Star's Departure has been in discussion since before the third season began. Insiders say that Bahari had been eyeing and out from her contract for quite some time as she no longer wanted to be on the show, and the show's producers did not dispute her potentially leaving. Original plans called for Bahari's character to be killed off in the season three mid-season finale, though the network backed away from that plan, deciding to finish out the season with the star. Yes, Fox made a very smart move there.
2: Oh, they did.
1: Sleepy Hollow has been an incredible experience in every way. I love playing Abby. It's been such a gift to have taken this wild ride. Alas, Abby Mills has done all she was meant to do, Bahari said in a release statement. I'm excited about what the show has in store for us next. I'm rooting for my co-stars and crew. They have been my inspiration, my teachers, family, my friends over the past few seasons. I want to thank the fantastic producers, writers, and directors who have worked tirelessly to bring this show to life. I want to thank Fox for their faith and support. But most of all, Sleepy Heads, for all your love, what an honor. I will never be the same. Stay tuned.
2: Very classy statement from a very classy actress.
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure all the Sleepy Heads will follow Nicole, whatever she does.
2: Incredibly talented, talented, gifted actor, and she's definitely going to be missed. There is no doubt about that.
1: Yes, it will be difficult to carry on without her. I'm really, really, really curious to find out where they're going to take this and how they're going to try to incorporate Abby's spirit into another Person, I don't know if it's going to be male or female. Yeah.
2: So, yep, and um, we can talk about that in our um, spoiler section, I suppose. Although I guess they're not really spoilers anymore. It's pure speculation at this point. Yep. in time. <laughs> All right, Steve. What kind of rating did you give the last episode of this season?
1: Uh, I gave it. I couldn't go ten because of losing Abby, so I gave it a nine point two five. Father and son reunion.
2: That is beautiful, and that was a beautiful scene.
1: Oh, it was so fantastic.
2: Very touching, and that was completely unexpected. And I think that was a lovely gift that the writers gave to all the fans.
1: Yes, they included several of them in this episode.
2: (laughs) Yes, there were several gifts for everyone. And I gave it 8.5 Phoenixes Rising from the Ashes. I You know, I had it a point higher, but again, like last week, I had to deduct a full point for losing Yeah, Abby. it's hard not I, to de- uh, deduct a uh, whole
1: point when you lose a cast member.
2: I know, it's hard to say. I really love this episode. One of your main characters died. No, yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, it, it got an 8.5. It would have been sitting there much higher um, had we not lost Abby. But it still was a magnificent episode, I think well done, and gave us a lot of very poignant dialogue.
1: Indeed it did.
2: All right, Steve. So let's give Pandora a whiny one, their send-off, shall we?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, we were right for not trusting her because she showed her true colors in this episode. She was in it to get her power back. Which? Yeah. A shout-out to Shannon. What another awesome job that she did portraying Pandora. It was, she did a fantastic job and she crowned it tonight with all of this evilness inside of her going through every part of the storyline.
2: She certainly did, Steve. And it's sometimes it's easy to forget because you dislike this character so much. Like, you killed our Abby. What a fantastic job this actor has done in making you feel that way. So, yes. Yes. Definitely a, a shout out to. Shannon saw and for her incredible performance as Pandora this season. Yeah. And she
1: just happened to leave out one important part of putting the box back together. Oops. That it was going to require the soul of one of the witnesses.
2: Oh, guess it <laughs> slipped her mind, huh? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: oh, that was just I knew there was a catch somewhere in there. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it.
2: <laughs> well, we knew we couldn't trust her and sure. she oh. proved us right. I- which was painful.
1: And you had to love old whiny one just on his little high horse saying, I'm going to do this in stages, and first the water's going to turn red, and then I'm going to flood, and and just thinking that he's got this all sewn up, and then it goes horribly wrong for him.
2: Haha. I liked the scene where he was down on his knees, just groveling.
1: Yes, that was fantastic to see once his powers had been diminished that, oops, all of a sudden I really want to live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please don't kill me.
2: Guess the catacombs were looking pretty good at that point.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I would have said, can I get a one-way ticket back to the catacombs? <laughs> Beats what happened. I really thought that something was going to happen as soon as Jenny walks up and just puts a bullet right through his head. That was sweet. Yes.
2: (laughs) Way to go, Jenny. That was
1: sweet. (laughs) But I thought Pandora was going to go off.
2: I'm surprised you didn't take her out.
1: Yes, I did too, because she looked at her and said, and those eyes, I thought they were going to go red for a second. This was my victory, not yours. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, the way she played Abby to get her to make the final sacrifice that she did was just cold.
2: Well, she clearly knew that part of her soul was in there because her box was silver again. Right. So she knew that she had part of her, and she knew she had one of the two of them, and I guess she figured out that it was Abby that she had and just reeled her in.
1: Yeah. And okay. you can't blame Abby, but still. <clears throat>
2: Tough. Brutal.
1: Yes, it was. All right. Then later on, we do see Pandora walking in all. And of course, when she walks into the church, I basically immediately flash back to Regina walking in on Snow and Charming's wedding. wedding. Yes,
2: <laughs> I didn't even think
1: about <laughs> and that. At Once Upon a Time.
2: Yes, you're right.
1: Because it basically went that way. The world is all these bad things but I can fix it all you have to do is worship me.
2: <laughs> well I thought it was wonderful how she said she was going to be a, a benevolent one. Right. And the first thing that she does is she walks into the church and scares the ever loving dickens out of every single person in there. Real <laughs> benevolent. Yeah. Uh well.
1: Yeah, well that was not going to happen. She could say that she was all she wanted to but not going to happen. She would have been just as bad as O Whiny One, just wouldn't have destroyed the Earth.
2: Correct. And, you know, actually, speaking of um, Oh Hidden One slash Oh Whiny One, I really was surprised that he was dispatched so quickly at the beginning of the episode. But in a way, it made sense because we began with Pandora, and she yes. really was the evil. And so it seemed fitting that it should end with her rather than him. Yes. So I thought that was a masterful stroke by the writers. I do agree with that.
1: I do too. I thought it was well done. And to have her go out by the hands of Headless was also another brilliant stroke of genius by the writers.
2: It was. It was so nice to see him again. We began with him in season one. And to bring him back now so that we could see him and have him basically finish her off, I actually thought that maybe he was going to behead her. That didn't quite happen.
1: No, but it would have been justified.
2: It it would have been. It probably would have been a little gross, but it would have been justified, yes.
1: Yeah, but we wouldn't have got the final goodbye from Pandora either, which... Good point. ...was... Probably a much better ending to her character than a whiny one got, but oh well.
2: And it was actually wonderful to see Headless. And I think that there were have been a lot of fans that have wanted to see him again. And while we recognize that the actor who played him previously or played Abraham right, has, has moved on to other things, at least we had him and it was convenient that he was Headless because you couldn't tell it was wasn't really him, right? Right. (laughs) But uh, I think what that means is that we have another shout out for Corey Castellano and all the fantastic monsters that he has brought us, not only this season, but over all the seasons as well. Uh, He and his crew have done an incredible job of bringing all these creatures to life and making them downright frightening.
1: Absolutely. Another fantastic job all season long by Corey and his crew.
2: So, were you satisfied? with Pandora's story arc this season?
1: Oh, absolutely. I felt much better about her story arc than most, well, almost all of season two. Now, I i mean, we didn't really get to see Malek that much in the first season. So we didn't really get to explore his psyche like we did with Pandora. So I, I definitely appreciated having that opportunity to Get to know the character and what they're kind of all about and and at least know that, yes, you can't trust her.
2: Yeah, and she came back because we had been concerned over the last few episodes with Pandora about the way she was taking this abuse from her husband. She clearly resented it, but she was taking it. And especially since we had seen her as a strong, evil person During the first half of the season. Right. So to see her restore to that again as this strong evil woman character, I think was very satisfying. Yes. Yeah.
1: Absolutely agree with that. And it's always more fun when you get to know the bad guys more than just some evil thing off to the side that you never really get to know anything about. So I definitely like the way they laid out this season. And giving us that opportunity.
2: And I think that they also showed us here at the end of her story that power can be intoxicating. Yes. And it can pull you in. And because originally she was going to be there to restore her husband and they would live together happily ever after in their brand new world. But she realized over time that he was just a whiny God and that she loved her power in her box more than she loved him and how power corrupted her. Yep. And then you look on the flip side at the witnesses who remained true to their mission throughout, and certainly they have had many artifacts that could provide them with power, but they've never been pulled away from that and pulled, quote-unquote, to the dark side, if you will.
1: Right. Yes, they did not, never once faltered in their faith in each other to stay true to the cause.
2: Right. So it's the old good versus evil and good for the most part one, I'd say. Good one. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's talk about Team Witness, Barb.
2: Okay. So for Jenny and Joe, uh, of course, we had lost Joe last week uh, when Jenny was forced to kill him and had to make that terrible choice between her lover and her father. And you could certainly tell that she was still crushed, and she was in shock over Joe's death, waiting for Abby and Crane to come back so that she could tell them what had happened. However, the other thing that she did is that she remained strong in the mission. She realized that they still had things that they had to do. They had to save the world, and she was right there with the team. And she set aside her personal pain to help our team and to support them. And I think that the other thing that was very important is that when Abby was gone and and they were not sure whether or not that she was alive or dead, and actually they didn't really know that until Pandora confessed that at the end, and Jenny just kept encouraging Crane, telling him, don't give up hope, don't give up hope. And I think that, again, that just showed us how far Jenny has come. She's learned to trust. She learned to love. She knows she's not going to be left alone because she began a relationship with her father. She's a strong woman, and she has developed so beautifully and so naturally over the seasons. Yes, and I really like what the writers did for her. And I mean, they've had they've had a number of strong characters, but they've had some very strong women characters as well, both good and bad.
1: Yes, they really have. And I think the one thing that really drove a lot of My appreciation for Jenny was the scene where Headless is about to go down. Crane tries to rush Pandora, but gets stopped. And it's Jenny who comes up and says, don't you dare let this, let Abby end this way. Yes, And that was the one thing Crane needed to hear to overcome what she had done to him and to get to team up with Headless to, uh. Finish her off.
2: Yeah, she played a critical and pivotal role at that point in time. Because I think that Crane was just so beside himself. So, yeah. And and she reminded him, this is what's important. This You've got to do this. This is your job. You're a witness. You have got to stop this. So it was beautiful. And I don't know if we'll see Jenny again or not. You know, because right. at the end, she was taking Joe's ashes to be scattered and she told him she would be back eventually. Right. But I, I think that, too, she's at a point now that w- even with her losses, she's probably at a point in her life where she's ready also to move forward as a character. Right.
1: Right. I, I believe so, too. Yeah. And, well, well, I, we'll talk about this when we get to her <laughs> prophecies.
2: <laughs> yes. I think for Joe, it was Also wonderful to see him in in this episode, and again, that was a very unexpected surprise.
1: Yes, it was,
2: and not only that, but to see August Corbin because I certainly didn't expect that at all.
1: No, not at all. But that was
2: wonderful. That was a truly a gift.
1: Yes, it was. I mean that, and I hate to say it, but that was those were the type of things that you see in a. Series finale, not a season finale.
2: <laughs> yes, I know. And I suspect that, and again, I they know they put we're those gonna in
1: there for that. Yeah. They
2: put it in there just in case because they wanted to give that gift to all the sleepyheads, all the people that have been following and loving this show for such a long time. And so I think that we're better off having them. If we get yes. a season for it, that's we're- fantastic. If we don't, it was a wonderful gift for all of us.
1: Yes. But I. I- Completely agree with that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I think that what what was nice then too is that Joe had come back to the story. He had he was a very warm character. Um, he was a funny character, and he made great contributions to the team. I mean, that sixth grade field trip to Paul (laughs) Revere's uh, house museum—that's something I'm going to remember because that just really made me laugh. And and of course, oh, and and playing the um,
1: glass harmonica, glass harmonica,
2: yes. And one of the things that he did during his story arc was that he came to understand why his father took such care of Abby and Jenny and that his father wasn't always there every time that Joe needed him to be. And he learned to forgive his father that, and then they reunited, and they got to (laughs) hug, and they're going to be together forever. And it's just like, oh, that's so (laughs) wonderful. I'm (laughs) so glad they did that. Yeah. Touching a very touching scene. Of course, the fact that they uh, were reunited in the waiting room made yeah. me think of Lost. Right? <laughs> yes. You know, no, this is a place. You know, as Christian said, this is a place that all of you all have created to find each other. And I'm thinking they're in the bar. What I'd rather be in the bar, right? Yeah. That, that would be my waiting place. So let's get a drink, right? Or apple <laughs> pie with um, with uh, uh, vanilla ice cream on top, right? That would be a good waiting place for me. Yep. Yeah, I thought overall. Both Jenny and Joe's story arcs were very satisfying and fulfilling. I mean, they didn't get a chance to be with each other, but they were both wonderful, strong characters and they did the things that they needed to do. Yes. Yeah.
1: And it was nice to see that we had seen Joe's progression to where you knew inside that, yes, he really did forgive his father for what had happened.
2: Absolutely.
1: And so to be able to see them together. And know, have August know that everything is good, and you have your son again. That was great to see.
2: Beautiful. So, all
1: right, let's talk about our main man.
2: Yes.
1: How great was it that he corrected (laughs) Abby?
2: Star Trek, Star Wars. No, they're very different, peeps. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's watched way too much TV. Yes, he has. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and to be able to quote it, no less. Oh, that don't... was
2: hysterical. So I guess if we were to ask the Sleepy Hollow riders which is their favorite Star Trek, Star Wars, I guess we're going to know which it is, right?
1: At least Ravens.
2: <laughs> At least Ravens. He's a Star Trek guy. Yep. <laughs> I'm a Star Wars girl, so I will forgive him for that. <laughs>
1: I love them both. So I was, that was fantastic.
2: That's true. I do love them both. But
1: it was curious how Crane knew that Betsy would return to her time once she went down the well. And so they could not tell her anything about their situation because it would, of course, mess up the timeline.
2: Well, that's because he watched TV and the (laughs) movies, and he learned that.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I I understand that, yes, he didn't want to contaminate the timeline. The part that I questioned was, how did he know she would go back to her time period?
2: That's a good point, because I wondered that, actually, too. Because all three of them had to go down the same well, just at different times.
1: Yes, they did. So... That was a big hand wave that I sure would have, at least a split second of him looking at the runes on the wall and then turning to Abby and going, would have helped. (laughs) (laughs) But no.
2: But that's how far our crane has come, though, as well. Yes. And he was always a very smart man, but to be able to put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together and realize very quickly what they needed to do and he is further away from Betsy than she was from him because he's had three years' worth of experiences in his new timeline, and for her, it's only it maybe has been a few months since she's last seen him.
1: Right, and it was really interesting that she picked up on it as fast as she did. That just goes to show that Betsy was on top of everything as well.
2: Well, she had the hots for him, I think. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that she had
1: feelings for him.
2: Absolutely.
1: But I kind of thought that maybe those feelings might crowd her better judgment, but she did not even waver on that. She she goes, you're not my crane.
2: Yeah. (laughs) She knew that right away. But she also knew something else.
1: Yes. And once again, we have to have another character tell us what. We know, and they know, but they just won't say, Abby has his heart.
2: Yes, I know. Well, at least we know now why Betsy dissed him when uh, <laughs> when she got back to her own timeline. And it wasn't yeah. a fake Betsy, after all.
1: Right. So, oh, that's good. Crane,
2: Crane got his answer. And that's good. Yep. That was good. Yeah.
1: Though so the reaction
2: on Abby's face was... I know. You know, on the second rewatch, I couldn't decide whether she really did hear him. Or or heard Betsy or not because they were at least a little distance away, but catacombs I would think do echo.
1: Right, yeah, they weren't that far away from her, and it could have been she had just gotten half her soul sucked out of her, so it might have been just a reaction to that as well. But
2: I think she heard him. I think she heard I think Betsy. she did too. I think she did.
1: So I'm not sure how what I want to read into that reaction yet. but
2: Fan fiction will take care of it later.
1: That's right. <laughs> now, how great was it that once again, Crane comes up with the plan that ends up distracting a whiny one with Abby and Jenny and the Greek fire while he sneaks in behind to give Pandora her box.
2: I know that was very smart. Of all of them.
1: And he's a fast learner because they the, first, the original plan when they went to go save Jenny was a bunch of shock and all, and they turned around and used it again. I know.
2: <laughs> Fire away. But the results weren't quite what we wanted to see.
1: No, they were not. And of course, we basically get the same reaction from Crane that we got in the the mid-season finale, where he is trying his darndest to convince Abby not to, and then when she does, he still yells Abby.
2: I know. And I thought one of the great things that Tom Meissen did with his character was how he portrayed that look of complete and utter anguish and shock as she disappeared, then the way that he was just kneeling next to the box as if please can we can we now turn back time is there a way to do it and so that i can re can we have a redo on this i yes. need to get her back and it was just beautifully done by him great actor
1: yes you definitely felt all his pain
2: yeah and and it was interesting because during Dragon Con last year he did mention the fact that he is a shakespearean trained actor and so you can see what they bring to the table because of the acting that is required that so much of it is in the words. It's in the look in the way you hold yourself in your hands. And he just hit it out of the park. I mean, he certainly brought that training to four during the scenes that he had in this finale.
1: He sure did. Yeah.
2: As he always does.
1: Yes. And as always, he is not one to give up hope whatsoever, until almost the very end.
2: I know. So sad.
1: Yes. And once again, he's given the opportunity to express his feelings to Abby, and doesn't.
2: I know. In their dream sequence, well, or the, she's reaching out to him in, in his mind where they connect. Right. And I thought, really? Oh, come on, guys. Please, writers, yeah. just... I know you're giving us all these other wonderful things, but throw us a bone, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Come on.
1: Yeah. I think if, if he would have just told her, I love you, the shippers would have been okay. Yeah. But I think because he didn't, the venom started flowing right after the episode was over.
2: Oh yeah.
1: But it, I did think the dreams, the sequence was done real well. They cut, Several scenes together from a lot of the previous episodes mm-hmm. with a few modifications here and there. You see the scene and you it triggers a memory, but the words don't match. And you go, huh?
2: No. <laughs> but I, I will say the one thing that they did do was when they were on the porch and she put out her fist, he yes. kissed her hand and he yes. bowed. And so I think that's about as close as the writers were going to get yes. to letting us have that. Yes. Like I said, there's always fan fiction.
1: Yes, there is. And yes, instead of, yes, you fist bump your partner, it's so much deeper than that. You kiss her hand. So,
2: which is what he had done with all his other romantic interests. Yes. So,
1: that's, I guess we could actually say there's another little thing that the writers gave us to kind of make us feel good about it. Yes. As he bows and She disappears and you go,
2: (laughs) I know. I know.
1: And the scene at the graveyard was just classic Ichabod all the way. Yeah. It's just like she's right there talking to him. He's just telling her about his week. And I'm not really sure why they decided to sell her house. I guess it was just too painful for both Jenny and Ichabod to have either one of them live in there.
2: Well, Jenny didn't want a new trailer. What would she do with a house?
1: Right. Very true. Yep. And we find out that he has become an archivist for the Historical Society, so that would be something you would expect him to do or get involved with, and he hasn't completely given up on getting his citizenship.
2: Yes, which was good.
1: Yes. It's not going to be a rush job, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he won't yell at the clerk this time. (laughs) might have a little bit more success.
1: And, of course, his reaction when Ezra dumps the information on him is, once again, you see the light bulb turn on going, my hope is back, my hope is back, my hope is back. There's maybe a way I can still get her back.
2: And Ezra threw a pail of cold water on top of that one, didn't he?
1: Yes. (laughs) It's just her spirit, Crane. But it was interesting that Betsy did apparently say something to Washington about her experience in the catacombs.
2: Wasn't that, though?
1: Yeah. So that was... I definitely would have liked to have seen more of that. That's for sure.
2: Yes, we know you really. You would probably bow for Betsy.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Yes, you would. (laughs) Being the gentleman. Yes. So what did you think about Crane's story arc? you satisfied with that?
1: Yes, actually, I am. I have loved the way he has progressed over the last three years. Everything was so new in season one. And it was basically all he could really do was provide history. Mm -hmm. And then in season two, he's got to deal with his son and his wife. And this season, you got to see him more as a modern man throwing out the pop references from current days and still has the history, but can think in a more modern way when it's absolutely necessary for him to do so.
2: Yeah, he pulls his experiences from from his past and what he has learned in his present to come up with solutions. So yes. he has assimilated very well.
1: Yes, I think so too. And if he starts dressing completely uh, for the period, I don't think anybody would question where he's from.
2: And I think one of the other wonderful things that the writers gave us this season was just the strong bond and the linkage between him and Abby. Uh, They had worked together for three years, and with what they were doing and their mission uh, and the things that they had to fight together, they should have become, you know, best friends, best partners, best bonded. And we really saw that, and we saw the deepness, I think, of that relationship this year. And that was a nice gift as well.
1: Yes, it was because of the simple fact that, as we open the season, we find out that Crane did his nine-month walkabout, and it's very possible that that relationship between the two could have been the whole storyline of the season.
2: Yeah, because they were qu- they were a bit estranged at the beginning of the year.
1: Yes, they were. Yeah, and they could have. The writers could have very easily spent the whole season doing that storyline. And how they finally get back together at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Kind of like they did with Katrina last year. Mm -hmm. Will they, won't they, is or isn't, and all that. But they didn't. They brought the two witnesses together and got the issues resolved and moved on. And it grew immensely this season.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Let's talk about our Abbey, Barb.
2: Yeah, our Abbey. Well, I think that we that everyone pretty much guessed that Abby had lost part of her soul early on in the episode when she collapsed after the box had grabbed her, and then it turned silver. So I think that we all knew that she was in some kind of a danger. I think that most of us would have been in deny, 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 despite the fact that the writers threw out so many hints that she was going to die and that she yes. was gone. And it just was, no, she's coming back. I I know a couple of times they kept saying things, and I thought, no, I don't believe this. We're, we're going to have her back, right? And it didn't yep. work out that way.
1: No, we were right there with Crane. We were not giving up hope. We, It was not going to happen.
2: <laughs> no. So if I sit down and I look at uh, Abby's story arc over the three seasons, and particularly over this season, you look at how far she came. Incredible, strong female character. She, She's fought her monsters. She's fought demons. She made it to the FBI she established a relationship with her father and that was one of the interesting things because when they met in the archives and she still had questions for him and he said he would answer them later but that's a conversation that would never happen Be- right and as with life everything is never resolved it very rarely is it ever resolved there is always something that is left unsaid or something that is left undone and i think that what we can at least get out of this is that she did establish the beginning of a relationship with him. They did begin to mend those bridges. He brought joy to her. He brought her the photo album. And so I think that, that that the fact that that was real relationship was on the mend was a very positive thing from from going from having an abandoned father and a mother who 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 died well before she should have, a sister who was in an institution with whom she had to mend a relationship. I think all of that was a wonderful arc for Abby. And it those are the things that did get fulfilled and resolved.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. It was so great to see Abby in such a much better place during this season. She actually was happy with her life and where it was going, and realized that she could have a life outside of being a witness.
2: Yes, with with Danny, shippers, don't start yelling at us <laughs> right now, okay? But that's that was going to be her apparent love interest. And, and, I, and since we saw so little of Danny, I mean, they introduced him early in the season, and I strongly suspect that, well, I guess if they knew that Nicole Bahari wanted to leave before season three, they may have introduced him to provide that rounding out for her to give her some of that personal happiness that she was looking right. for that she wasn't in a relationship with someone and that she could be healthy and move on and be and be a woman as well as be a witness so either that or or the maybe the talk started a little later and he would have been a love interest but then things changed as she wanted to exit the show but but anyway it it gave her what many fans have been screaming for for such a long time yes that crane had all these relationships with women and Abby didn't have anything and that Wasn't right. Exactly. (laughs) The shippers just wanted it to be Abby and Crane, not Abby and Danny. Right. But at least they can take heart in the fact that they never did get back together, right? Not, I mean, not really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah. So when you write the fan fiction, remember that's not an obstacle.
1: That's right. And I do think it was very fitting that August was there for her. And that their discussion was basically what convinced Abby that, yes, she has done everything she can do and is ready to move on.
2: Yes. You know, when he told her he was proud of her and everything, everything she has done. And getting... I mean, because
1: basically that's, that's her father.
2: Exactly.
1: And you get that from a father, yes, you feel like you've accomplished something.
2: Yes. That reinforcement. Yes. That those positive things that are said to you that say, yes, I've done the right thing. I've made a difference. It's okay. And it was, again, you know, it was just wonderful to see him again. But he said he's proud of her and everything she's done. And I think that we all are. And I think that Nicole Bahari made Abby Mills a very, very special character.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. I don't believe we could ever find an actress out there that could have done a better job with Abby Mills than Nicole Bahari.
2: Yeah, she just was fantastic. Yes. And then, of course, all the scenes where she connected with Crane that we talked about. And I think that was the final connection for the fans. It was a gift. Yes. You know, their strong connection and their bond as witnesses. So, and when she said that he was always going to be her man, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, but she saved the world. She did. She did. Strong, strong woman. Great, great character. Definitely fantastic.
1: Absolutely. And I don't see how the fans can do anything but stand up and give her a standing ovation for everything she's done over the last three years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, she just did an incredible job. She is a fantastic actress. I have no doubt that she's going to be very, very successful in whatever she does next. And it will be interesting to see what she does with her career and what she wants to do. Yes. So, good for her. I applaud her.
1: Now, wasn't it curious that the closing music to the episode... (laughs)
2: Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Pleased to meet you. Uh huh. Mhm. Perfect.
1: And that happened to be the opening music to the first episode, if I remember correctly.
2: Was it really? I'm gonna have.
1: I to I believe back and so. Look. I know we've oh. we've heard it oh. in season one.
2: I know we've heard it before too. Oh, you're gonna make me go look this up. <laughs> <laughs> After we finish the podcast. Yes. Okay. But no, but so. it was perfect. Well, no, it was perfect, too, because as Jack Walters is, arrives on the scene and he walks up to him and that's playing. And I'm thinking, and of course, Ezra, Ezra's parting words that you have to watch out for when they come and they, they mean well, but some of them have lost their way, yada, yada. And then he says, forgive them for they know not what they do, which, uh-huh. is, which is, of course... <laughs> Straight out of the Bible, and it's what Jesus says when he is on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, okay, maybe maybe Jack is really going to be one of these people who has lost his way, and he really is evil because, again, he did shoot Nevins at point-blank range.
1: Yes. Though it was no great loss with Nevins, but... But. Yes, it proved that he has it in him.
2: That's, I think, what we all would believe. And we were at least right about that, that we did see him in the final scene. Right. But not quite the way that we expected.
1: No. No. Coming to uh, haul Crane off for questioning, and Crane goes, like, I really have a choice? (laughs) Yeah, I
2: know. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Ragnarok, the title of the episode, of course, as we have discussed, and as they mentioned on the show... That this is a great battle in Norse mythology, a battle between the gods. And so I suppose that it was the final battle between the Hidden One versus Pandora. But I also wonder if it were if it wasn't in some way some other battles. The battles that the witnesses have taken on, the battle to do the right thing, and finally the the battle that Abby may have lost. Uh, that battle but she won the war she did end up saving the world from the hidden one and from pandora and of course she did it with her best buddy her partner crane but at a terrible personal cost
1: and an emotional cost to all of us
2: (laughs) no kidding i'm like i said i'm still trying to pull that axe out of my gut yeah so
1: yeah all day was very just wasn't right
2: It was depressing. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Just depressing. It still yes, is.
1: Yes, it was. All right. Let's talk what ifs.
2: So I, obviously the biggest one is, is the show going to be back for season four?
1: Yeah. And it's so hard to call. I mean, I felt pretty good when we were right around that five million number for live plus seven. But it's dropped to the lower fours now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm, I'm not sh- so sure now.
2: Yeah, and with the departure of Nicole Bahari, that's going to make it even harder because one of the things that has sustained the show and all the fans has been the chemistry between Abby and Ichabod. So, right, that is going to be very difficult, you know. And I think about Person of Interest when Taraji P Henson left uh, Detective oh, Carter. Yes, and how incensed the fans were, and many of them did depart at that time and person of interest is going to finally get its last season, reduced season at that, beginning in end of May, I think, and they're just sort of ramming it through, which Right. But and so something like that, the loss of a major character can really kill a show. So
1: And as much as I loved Carter, I I still thought the show was really good with the cast that they had. I agree. This replacement is going to be huge if it occurs.
2: If it occurs. I know this is much harder. I will say that I'm glad that she did not leave at mid-year the way that she wanted to do. Right.
1: The way it appears that it wanted, they had thought about it, yes. I think having her die in the catacombs would have definitely guaranteed that this would have been the last season.
2: Absolutely, But we also would have missed that incredible uh, Performance of hers in the catacombs.
1: Oh, absolutely! That I
2: still think should be up for an award. Yes, quite frankly, I do too. But and I think that's one of the things you know with the with all the sleepyheads and with all the fans. And I have seen a lot of the anger already expressed. But the show didn't kill her off or want to get rid of her. She wanted to do other things in her career, and I think that's very important for folks to just to know and to understand because all of us you know in whatever jobs we have some people love staying in their job and doing the same job for 35 or 40 years and bless them for that right because you you need people that are going to be your steady your steady stream right but then other individuals and especially actors who have so many different creative outlets and talents that they want to explore they do want to move on and they do want to do other things and this is something that she wants to do and she's gotten a tremendous amount of great publicity for her role she's really shined and so she wants to do this. And so folks, the bottom line is you can't blame Fox for this. This is a career decision that Nicole Bahari made and it's something that she really wanted to do. And right. we you know we can't hold that against her. But it does make it nope. awful darn tough for a season four.
1: Yes. But with pilot season starting to ramp up here in the next month or two, we may see Nicole in her own show in the fall.
0: Yes.
2: Now, one thing though is that since the showrunners, producers, writers, et cetera, have had so much time in advance to know this, because she these are these are things that Nicole had expressed, you know, months ago. That that at least will give them the time to think about different creative ideas and things that they could put on the table. Which apparently they have done. They've thought about it. So.
1: Right, and and knowing that yes, she wanted to leave. I don't think I could have written or come up with anything better than what we got.
2: I agree. And I think that they really honored her. Yes. And gave her a tremendous amount of screen time and really let her show her talents. And so I don't know that there should be any dissatisfaction with that from any of the parties involved. So
1: No, no, I don't think so. I think they both honored each other immensely in this episode and through the season. And I think if all the sleepyheads will sit back and really think about it, they'll come up with the same conclusion.
2: Yeah, I really hope so. And one of the things that I read, and I read this one on IndieWire.com, although I'm sure the statement was on a number of different news releases, news press releases. So the producers of Sleepy Hollow issued a statement of their own. And they said, we feel we provided a wonderfully poignant conclusion for Abby and showed some of the best moments between the witnesses that we've seen on screen. We thank Nicole Beharie for bringing Abby and Sleepy Hollow to life. We are currently discussing season four, and should the series be picked up for another season, we have some exciting scenarios and new avenues we want to explore. And I I think that we got a hint of that at the end of this season, and maybe even during this season. Yes. Because it seems that there is a bit of a directional change, and particularly with the letter that Crane received at the very end, the George Washington letter. Yes. It sounded as if he is supposed to be fighting the supernatural rather than necessarily fighting the end of the wor- world, the apocalypse, part of the tribulation, etc., which is the way they began this the uh, series.
1: Right and seeing that Supernatural is now on its 11th season, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very possible that, yes, the fourth season will be more Monster of the Week-type stuff than a overall big bad that's going to end the world.
2: Yeah, and I think the big question is, will the executives at Fox be willing to allow Sleepy Hollow to go in that direction? Tom Meissen is also a very strong lead character, but of course, the, or do they feel that it can be retooled in some way with Nicole's leaving to ensure that the ratings are boosted? Can they bring in perhaps a strong actor that is already known that right. has name recognition that would pull people in? And I think that they would have to do that rather than finding an unknown for this to work. Right, And that, and therein is the question.
1: Absolutely is. And I still want my sleepy hollow X Files crossover.
2: <laughs> <laughs> One never does know.
1: Yes. Come on, Fox. We need season four so we can have a a sleepy X Files.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and yes, that would be nice. And I think before we leave this and go on to our wonderful Ickyisms, our last ones for the season. I do want to give a shout out to Sophie Foster, Jessica Camacho, who I think added quite a bit this season and and she didn't have much of a role to play in the last few episodes, but when she brought it, she brought it and she is someone else an actor that I would watch on another show as well.
1: I completely agree with that and that is one of the things that they did accomplish within this season was the new people they brought in were able to go toe-to-toe with what we already knew about Nicole and Tom, and that made the storytelling so much better.
2: It really did.
1: With as much fantastic acting as there was in this season. Just made it come together that much better. All right, icky-isms, and we did have a few in this episode. Trek, not wars. But yes, as Captain James Tiberius Kirk learned the hard way in the most memorable episode, "City on the Edge of Forever," and you go, "Wow, Crane, you're already you're quoting episodes." (laughs) Oh, you just can't explain how many geeks that just went through the roof when he did that.
2: (laughs) I (laughs) I told you he's watching way too much TV.
1: Yes, he is. Now, of course, as they're going down the getting prepared to go down the uh, well. Abby goes, now let us not miss the perfect opportunity for embracing Tally Ho.
2: (laughs) And over she goes. And down
1: she goes, and he looks over the edge and says, that's not very sporting. No. (laughs) (laughs) And as he's going in, what she said.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was nice. I I enjoyed that.
1: And as they're battling the hidden one, Crane goes, no, just highly improbable, which, as luck would have it, is our stock and trade. Yeah. <laughs> when a you, you know, whiny one goes, how can this be? It's impossible. No, it's just highly improbable. And then as he's trying to once again convince Pandora to free Abby from the box, and she refuses, tis time we fought fire with fire.
2: Oh, yes.
1: And out comes In the distance. What? It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's headless.
2: I know. That was so wonderful when he came out of that box.
1: Yes. And of course, he has to make sure we get the finishing touches by going, Avatar of Death, end her.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And ultimately, he did.
1: Yes, he did. And of course, when he sees that bit of Abby after the box blows up, and she basically tells him she's I've done my duty. He goes, what is there for me in a world without you?
2: I know. You know what? And the room is gonna get dusty if we keep saying <laughs> I this. know. Jeez. That just broke my heart.
1: Yes, it did. Yeah. And then he tries to provide Jenny some hope by telling her the box may have taken her hope, but she is and will forever be ours. Yeah. And those two lines were just fantastic writing.
2: Heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking.
1: And of course, he has two great lines as he's at the cemetery. Well, the final season of American Idol has begun. It's not a return to form. Requires your spirited commentary.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Fox, get in that plug for the very last season of American Idol wherever you can. And it
1: already was over. It's not like it's going to show next week. It's done. It's done. Bury it. (laughs) And you knew this was going to show afterwards.
2: (sighs) I know. Come on, peeps. Oh, well.
1: But he also goes on to say the rental market is more murderous than any supernatural beast we've fought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How very true. Yes. And thank you. It's been wonderful listening to the Ickyisms all season, Steve. This has been great. Thank
1: you very much. I'm glad we were able to do them. Yeah. All right. Shall we finish this off with one more fantastic history lesson, Barb?
2: One more history lesson, Steve. And this one is a special one. I saved this one just for you. It is the real Betsy Ross. All right. Okay, so Betsy Ross has been a character that has been changed through the twistery of Sleepy Hollow. And I know some Sleepyheads liked her and some were sort of, let's just say, lukewarm on her. However, folks, let's remember that the real Betsy Ross was likely a very strong and tough woman for her time. Probably much like all the strong women we've seen on Sleepy Hollow. And she was very much a part of a young American nation. Now, it's not often that I'm going to direct you guys to another podcast. However, there is a wonderful one about early American history, and it's called Ben Franklin's World Podcast, and it's hosted by Liz Covart. In episode 50 of this podcast, Liz has a guest on, and that is Marla Miller, who is the professor of history at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, and she is the author of Betsy Ross and the Making of America. And she discusses the life and times of Betsy Griscom. Ross Ashburn Claypool, the woman we remember as sewing the first flag of the United States. Now, Elizabeth Phoebe Griscom Ross Ashburn Claypool, known in history as Betsy, or as Betsy Ross, was born January the 1st, 1752 in Pennsylvania. She was the eighth of 17 children, and she was a Quaker, and she was married three times. Now, her father was a carpenter, and as a young woman, Betsy became an apprentice for a Philadelphia upholstery shop, probably following one of her older sisters there. Now, it was actually not unusual for young women to become apprentices and learn a trade or craft in that day, and they did the work while the male owners handled the business. Betsy probably enjoyed working with the fine fabrics in the shop. And she most likely made mattresses, drapes, and slip covers for furniture, and worked as an upholsterer throughout her life. Now she lost her first two husbands during the Revolution: John Ross and Joseph Ashburn. Now, according to the family legend, George Washington came to the shop, and this was the shop that she owned with John Ross, with a drawing for a flag, but that the stars had five points to them. Now, Bet. She allegedly told Washington that a five-pointed star would be much easier to make, and she demonstrated that to him in the shop. Now, at this point in time, she was a young widow because John Ross had already died, and she was in need of an income because she also had a young daughter. And she probably was not looking at this from a design perspective, that a five-pointed star would look better than a six-pointed star, but she was probably looking at it from a speed and producibility perspective because, again, she needed the money. It was 1776, the Navy was going to need many flags, quickly, and the five-pointed star would be faster to make. Now, as she passed the story down through her family, she apparently didn't tell them that she had made the first flag, but she told them that she met George Washington and that she had taught him something.
0: <laughs> Don't you
2: think that's like our bet scene huh. the show? Yeah. Now, the interesting twist on this... Was that as historians were going through old records at Mount Vernon, they found a notation in George Washington's cash ledger from September of 1774 of a purchase from John and Betsy Ross's store in Philadelphia. So he knew her before 1776 and most likely did visit the shop to discuss the new flag. Hmm. Now, Betsy may or may not have made the first American flag. However, She was a tough young woman, she was a survivor, and she supported the young nation by making flags during the American Revolution. And I am going to include two links in our show notes, and the first is going to be to Ben Franklin's World Podcast, uh, episode 50 that I just talked about, and the second is going to be to the Wikipedia link about Betsy Ross. And I would say that there are a lot of very other interesting things. In this podcast, for example, did you know that there is actually there are actually dolls of a colonial Betsy Ross and a colonial George Washington? Well, you can learn a little bit more about that if you listen to the Ben Franklin Franklin's World podcast. Oh, give it a try, folks! I think Absolute. you'll like it.
1: Another great history lesson, there, Barb.
2: Thanks, Stephen. I thought you would like that. So, guys. Oh, I- Betsy Ross, she was okay. She may not have been Betsy Ross super spy, but she was A-okay.
1: <laughs> yep, I definitely agree.
2: So, Steve, did we get any feedback this week?
1: Oh, yeah, we actually got some great feedback this week. And We'll start with our audio feedback. First up will be our bestie, Justina.
0: Hi, Barb and Steve. That was an absolutely fabulous finale. I loved it. I give it 10 out of 10 Headless Horseman's Return. I will definitely miss Nicole Bahari if she doesn't come back. But on this show, I'm not sure that you can ever decide who is really dead and never coming back to us. So I still hold out hope that Crane may be able to get her back. And if her soul is eternal and is going to go into a new witness, do you think that we'll get a new character next season? Or... That this is where Sophie Foster comes into play, and that's why we were introduced to her. Like she was destined to be the next witness. I'm not too sure about that. I'm still sad that Joe is gone, but once again, dead may not be dead on this show. And it was almost worth it to see that wonderful scene between himself and his father. And it was great to see Corbin Sr. again. Barb, thanks for all the history lessons. And Steve, thanks for all the ickyisms. You've made this season so much fun, the both of you, with this podcast. So this is Justina signing out, saying, come on Fox, we want more. Renew Sleepy Hollow. We need season four.
1: Wow, Justina, that was a great rating.
2: 10 out of 10, Headless Horseman Returns. You think she liked it?
1: I think it Definitely uh, one 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 over her, that's for sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I loved her little poem at the end about renewing Sleepy Hollow. Very creative, Justina. You know, you could have almost wrapped it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but no, I don't think Nicole Bahari's coming back. I'm sorry. I know you and all the other sleepyheads are just crushed by that. But But I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as you did. And Justina... Thank you for being with us this entire season and for faithfully contributing your feedback. You've really added to the show, and, and we really appreciate that.
1: Yes, we do, Justina. Yeah. We can't thank you enough for all the input that you've provided us through this season. We really do appreciate it. And yes, we loved seeing Joe and August back together. All right. We also have some feedback from Jess in Atlanta.
2: Look, a second audio. Hot dog.
1: Yes. And here she is.
0: Hey Barb and Steve. This is Jessina Atlanta, and I just finished watching the season finale for Sleepy Hollow. Um, kind of hoping it's not a series finale, but I guess that could have gone either way. it was very, very well done, even if it felt a little rushed about halfway through the episode. Um, but I did really like the ending. Um, I'm happy that there's an opening for it to continue if um it gets renewed. Although I'm really going to miss uh, Nicole Bahari, I wasn't expecting there to be two deaths of such big characters. So was there a reason? Do they need to write her off? Or is that just kind of the way the writers went with it? Anyway, uh, looking forward to the podcast. Uh, talk to you guys soon.
1: Well, we definitely hope that it's not the series finale as well. But like we said earlier, it was one of those that could go either way. If it is the series finale, I think we could live with it,
2: yeah, and um, I think Jess made an interesting point too that she thought it felt a little rushed in the middle and and I would agree that at one point I thought you know this is we're cramming an awful lot into the into the season finale, but they and I thought they probably could have done more last week, but then I stopped and I thought about it, and I thought, no, they couldn't have done more because they had to pause where they paused. And so, by default, we ended up with a lot. But we got a lot of, high, I thought, high-quality content. Yes. So, but thank you, Jess. And thank you for being a supporter, too.
1: Yes, we absolutely appreciate it. And, yes, we do think that they have a way to move forward for as Season 4 if Fox deems it worthy. Amen. All right. We also have some feedback on Facebook. We do, don't we? Yes, we do. The one, the only Yoga bond, a.k.a. Bonita. Didn't the graveyard look like the one we visited during Dragon Con, Barb?
2: And she was spot on on that, too. Because if you looked where, when Crane was standing in front of Abby's headstone. Right. And Sleepy Hollow released promotional pictures. And so when I saw that promotional picture, I took a look at that and I thought, wait a minute. I know what that is. That's the Oakland Cemetery in Atlanta, Georgia, where where Bonita graciously took me when I was the first one of a number of us from the Golden Spiral Media fan community. Uh, I was the first one to arrive, and so before we picked up a couple other folks at the airport, we went there. And this cemetery is the oldest one in Atlanta, Georgia. It dates back from 1850, and there are a number of famous people buried there. And the thing that really caught my eye when I saw him there is I thought, wow, that's really close to the Confederate section because there is an entire area of the cemetery that has graves of soldiers who died during the Civil War. And I had been walking through there and when I when I saw that picture, I thought, that that's very close to that. And if you looked in the back of the promotional picture, and I'm going to actually use that as our as the picture for our blog post as the main one, there is a store, and you can just see the store in the distance. So I thought, I know this is Oakland Cemetery. So I got on Google Maps, and I went to the, and then I I did the satellite view, and then I did the street view, because I could see the stoplight, and I could see the building, and sure enough, that's it, and it is exactly right back there, um, very close indeed to the Confederate section. So I thought, Bonita, great eyes, great thought.
1: All right. She goes, I was truly shocked at the conclusion. I didn't know about Bahari's issues. She'll be missed. Yes, she will. But I think the show could survive. The new witness could come from the Civil War era. I like this thought. Mm -hmm. Crane would help the new witness come up to speed on the modern era. That would be awesome.
2: That would be very interesting to watch him training someone else.
1: And she goes, and this witness could be a man if it it does not have to be a romantic tension situation like it was with Abby. Dial up the comedic dialogue bromance style a la Supernatural. Yep,
2: there you go. And there are a lot of bromances on TV and that are, are quite successful, so it would be interesting to see if they decided to do something like that. Yes. Because we, at least we do know that it has to be someone in Abby's uh, extended bloodline.
1: Yes. All right. Scott also piped in. Well, that did its job. It works as either a season finale or a series finale. Probably better than I have seen any other show do. Wow. I tend to agree with you there, Scott. I really do. I think this was fantastic. That said, losing Nicole Bahari completely stinks. No two ways about it.
2: No kidding.
1: Yes. And I really didn't like the apparent setup for A New Witness. It just sounds too much like the There Must Be Two from Star Wars. There
2: is another.
1: (laughs) Yes. Bottom line, I think the show is probably done. It's too bad. I would like to see where they might take it. But the fact that it ends in a graveyard is pretty symbolic, don't you think?
2: Yeah, you know what? I hadn't thought about that until I read his comment and I thought, Right. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah. Ow. (laughs) He makes an outstanding point. That hurts. (laughs) And I thought, oh, dear, that's... True. And
1: Linda piped in as well saying, I agree with Scott. I hope it comes back, but a great finale. Love that she's back with the Sheriff and Joe. Well done. Yes, indeed. Well, we want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interaction. This week's shout outs go to Samantha Holloway, Michelle McKeever, Teenie Weaver, Chris Hadley, Dustin a.k.a. Paul Revere Lewis, as always. Nice. And the one, the oh-whiny one himself, Peter Mensah.
2: Nice. He did a great job. He liked the tweet
1: that I uh, sent him after the episode that I thought he had done a fantastic job as the hidden one. And I could go on and on and on. It was absolutely fantastic tweeting with all the sleepy heads last night. It was just Wonderful, and everybody was involved. We sleepy hollow was still trending this morning. Wow, that's so that's if incredible! That means anything to Fox. Uh, it got social media attention, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, and all right, I, and I think one thing too is, um, you know, just a thank you to every single person who listens to this podcast. Uh, Whether we hear from you or not, we really appreciate you. We know you guys are out there uh, because we can see (laughs) see the numbers on the stats. Hey, it's all about numbers, right? But don't tell that to Fox. Don't let them think that for a minute. And we just are so glad that you've been along this journey with us. We really hope that there is a season for, if there is not, thank you for taking the ride.
1: Absolutely. But you can still contact us, right? Yes, they can still get a hold of us. Yes,
2: they can. So you can always get in touch with us on our voicemail number, which is three zero four eight three seven two two seven eight, Or you can go to com slash feedback, where you can use the SpeakPipe widget on the side of the page to record audio. Or you can type out your feedback on the form and attach your audio feedback to that. And where we've had a lot of interaction, of course, has been on the Witness Prophecies page on Facebook. And also through at witnessprofgsm on Twitter. And if you would like to get in touch with Steve, he's at salyersteve on Twitter, and I am at tangier14.
1: All right, also don't forget if you haven't gone out and gotten your sleepy hollow creating heroes, demons, and monsters, the official making of book, get it. It's a great book by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry. Both of us have it in our collections. You can swing by the goldenspiralmedia.com web page and click on our Amazon link. It won't cost you any extra and it'll kick a few cents our ways to help keep our servers going. Please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there and there are other countries catching up with us. Our UK followers are still... Uh, about halfway through the season, so don't forget them. To subscribe in iTunes to any GSM podcast, go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Tell your friends, and I hope you've enjoyed Barb and I uh, taking over here in season three. We want to thank all the Sleepy Heads for taking this journey with us this season. We've appreciated your feedback, your comments. And most of all, we appreciate each and every one of you who have listened. This is Steve, and what is there for me in a world without you?
2: Uh, And Steve, I also want to just take a moment here and say thank you. You have been a great partner, and I can feel our bond. And I have to say, this is Barb signing out and reminding each of you, dear sleepyheads, to never give up hope.
1: That's right, sleepyheads. We'll be keeping our hope alive for season four. Talk to you soon.